Good morning, everyone. This is Jonathan. This is your daily practice success. I'm your host, Jonathan Alcane. And today we have I have a special guest for you guys. He's been in this. Oh, well, you know, he's been in the entertainment industry for over 16 years. His name is Dan Dan Reese. Uh, he's been a professional entertainer for over 16 years, singing, dancing, and acting all over the world. Um, he has performed Vegas, Australia, um, Italy, Germany, Canada, New York City. He's been on TV and radio. He's also a creator and a host of podcast, You Booked It, where he interviews successful entertainment professionals seven days a week. Man, that's a lot. Um, who shared their journey through the industry where he discovered the fundamentals, the golden nuggets, and the great... Uh, that create a successful entertainment career and fill the gap between training and the real world. I mean, this guy is amazing. Guys, we're going to talk about the similarities between entertainment and the entrepreneurship. And there's a lot of sim similarities to it and also the differences. And so, guys, I can't wait for this podcast because this guy is, is a new industry to me, and I want to learn all about it and you know what's been going on in that industry because of COVID-19. So um, well, yeah. join me, and I'm about to bring him on. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on? We're live. Yeah, we are live. Um, thank you for coming on, Dane. I appreciate you. Appreciate your energy and your time. Um, where are you located? Oh, no, it's 5.30 here in California. Where are you at? Yeah, well, currently I'm calling in from Adelaide, South Australia. So a bit of a difference. It is 11 p.m. tomorrow. Your tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> wow is that where you 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 travel all over the place and is that where you wanted to stay or is like okay that's where no right now it's just a bit of a temporary uh stop off if you will uh my wife is from australia so we're over uh, here for a little while um but we've been living in las vegas for the past seven years i would say that would let's call that home okay all right Seven years. Okay, I see. Well, Dane, um, give us a little bit of backstory. How did you get started with uh, the entertainment um, industry? Ooh, right. So I, okay, so when most people come into the entertainment industry, it's usually one of those things where you start when you're two, three, three years old, you go to your first dance class, and then it just kind of progresses, and then you start doing some dance comps, and you go, oh, maybe I can sing a little bit, and then you do some community theater, that was not me. I played sports all through my entire childhood. I played primarily football and baseball. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until late into high school that the arts kind of found me. I was concussed out of football and I was, well, I would have needed elbow surgery if I would have continued playing baseball. And all that happened in the span of about only four months. So I went for my entire life always having some kind of extracurricular something to do to having nothing to do. And I was crazy bored. And one of my sister's friends, her name was Chayla, she was over and she goes, hey, we need a guy that can lift some girls in this Christmas show we're doing. You wanna do it? And I said, 
I've, I got nothing else to do. Let's do it. So I did that, started that. Um, I'm originally from Missoula, Montana. And, you know, then when I was growing up, dancing wasn't exactly something guys would do, right? So I, I started conservatively. I started with hip hop and break dancing and that was fun. But then I realized, look, this is, I was having a really good time. I was enjoying rehearsals, enjoying the show. And I said, I need to learn how to properly do this. Let's technically learn how to do this. And it turned out I had a bit of a knack for it, got involved with choir and some musicals at the school. Turns out I can sing. And that led to uh, mascotting. I went to the University of Montana first uh, and I was the mascot for the school, which was way cool. It's like 22,000 people on a football day. And I ended up actually winning the Capital One National Mascot of the Year Award in 2006. That's aging me a bit. But that uh, that is given to the best collegiate mascot in the United States. So I won that and then went to the Boston Conservatory, transferred there, moved to New York, did some ships, moved to Australia, moved to Vegas. And here we are today. Wow, it's a long time career. I mean, and then you started moving places to places to places. Um, yeah, it, it, that's amazing because you get new perspective when you you move to different state, different country. And yeah, you know, well, what are some like, well, what kind of some perspective that you see around the world when you were traveling more? Gosh, so I'm really fortunate that I have literally been to. Oof, 47, 48-ish countries. Uh, and that's a lot due to uh, performing. A lot mm -hmm. of my traveling was on ships. Uh, I did uh, I did three different contracts on ships, but the first one is really the, the kicker that did it. We went to over 40 countries in one contract. So we got to perform and visit and experience all these different countries all over the world, which was amazing. And then you're being paid to perform, do what you love to do. I mean, it, a contract like that doesn't get any better. Right. And what I really found was not so much the, I guess, as far as you said, experiencing other cultures and other places in the world. Mm -hmm. What I really found was that being in the entertainment industry, you get to work with so many different types of people from all over there. You get entertainers from everywhere. And we all come into this big melting pot of whatever the production might be. And it's really interesting because you get to realize that all these cultures in the world, while there's these little nuanced differences, you know, Eastern Europeans aren't always angry. They're just, it's just, the, it's just the way things sometimes come across. But you, once you learn that you're like, Oh, you're great. You're like, everyone's fantastic. That's the thing. Everyone wants the same stuff in life. Everyone wants to progress and move forward in their life the exact same way. Mm -hmm. We just have slight little cultural differences. And then you just, everyone's great. And that's what I love doing is experiencing people. I've got so many friends from all over the world and we all get along and we all want the same things. And once you get on that level, everything's, everything's easy. Ah, that's amazing. I, I would like to experience that one of these days. I mean, travel over and just perform, maybe be on stage, something like that. I, I, I envision myself doing that because I mean, empower. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that'd be cool. I think that'd be amazing. But anyways, um, then, then, um, you know, you've been an entertainer for a very long time and you're mm. also uh, entrepreneurship. What do you think is the similarities or what have you figured out between the two? Yeah, I think that they are so tightly wound that it's kind of crazy that 
people don't really mention it because people think, oh, the arts is not business. I mean, we call it show business. So there's clearly a business part of the show business, but we usually default that to not the people on stage, not the artists. Mm -hmm. You think you're thinking about the producers, the money behind everything. Right. But no, as a, a performer, we are, we are literally our own little self-contained businesses, entrepreneurs, everything. And we're like serial entrepreneurs, if anything, is entertainers. Because here's the deal. As an entertainer, you will work loads of W-2 work. You'll work loads of 1099 work. Mm. And even if, even if you just bopped into different contracts throughout your career, just being a W-2 employee all the time, the fact is our career, you will still work for dozens, if not hundreds of different companies throughout your career. So there's no like getting that job and then staying in it for 20, 30, 40 years. That is not a thing with our career. You might have that W-2 job for six months or a year, a couple years if you're lucky, you know what I mean? Then it's on to the next thing. So because of that, that entire mentality of how you get your work, the hustle, finding where your, your skill set fits in Mm -hmm. is so important. And just like an entrepreneur, just like a business owner, you have an offer, right? And you can't just mass market offer it to the entire world, right? You have to niche it down. You got to find out who wants your product. Mm -hmm. Who does it best serve? Same thing as an entertainer. We go into rooms and we go into these auditions and we bear our souls, emotionally, everything. We're not just writing emails and things like this. We're, it's us on the line in that room, giving everything that we have emotionally to whatever the audition may have, you might get it. You might not. Usually you don't because there's loads of failure in this industry, which is also ties right into entrepreneurship. So you have to get very accustomed to failing, picking yourself up, moving forward, failing forward, and doing that process again and again and again. But really, it is a combination of that, of doing things again and again and again, and that failure and experiencing that, but also, like I said, finding your market. I've lost gigs. I've lost jobs, big jobs. There's one huge job. Lost it because I reminded the person that was casting of their ex-boyfriend. That's it. No other reason. Didn't I could I could dance, I could sing, I could do it. I looked the part, everything was perfect, but it was such a subjective whatever thing, and you you lose the contract. You know what I mean? And in the real world, that's, I mean, in the real world, I say in the, in the regular job world, it's, that's kind of crazy to think about. Right. But that's the way it always works in the entertainment industry. Now, sometimes it goes too far, obviously, but in general, it's super subjective and you have to figure out, okay, where, where does my look, where does my height, where does my eye color, my hair or lack of it, where does that fit in to this world so I can find where I'm most needed, where I can serve the industry the best. Hmm. That's very interesting. And especially to the part where you said, you know, you, you're going to fail a lot. You're probably going to mm. ask a lot of people uh, in order for you to get a yes. You're probably going to go out there a lot more and get yourself embarrassed, um, yeah. you know, and look a fool in order for you to get something or um, get hired. I mean, that's a lot to take in when you when you're 
when you're facing all that rejection and all that obstacles and challenges, what do you do on a daily, uh, like, you know, when you face with that kind of challenge and obstacles, what do you do? Do you like, how do you get out of your, out of the funk? I mean, because, you know, most of the time you start to get, uh, you start to get hurt because you're, you're definitely not getting paid and, you know, there's bills coming up and, things like that you know it could be different in your the other people's situation but you know how do you get out of that when someone's in that kind of situation yeah i guess first off i'm back yeah most most people in general most to put themselves out there to fail and put everything on the line, right? But like everything in life, like going to the gym, the more you do it, the easier it gets. So putting yourself into uncomfortable situations becomes easier. It becomes the way things are and the way life is. So you just have to keep practicing it and doing it. And every time you do it, you get a little bit better. And then as far as the recovery goes, look, it's it's full on. You know, there are certainly times where you're like, Man, that was rough, and it takes you down a second. But you have to you have to turn it around because you know you can't just you can't go into the next audition, you can't go into the next room for the next gig carrying any of that baggage. You have to go clean slate. Mm. Let's do it. And I think a big thing that has helped me personally do that and overcome that, besides simply doing it and the practice of it and becoming comfortable with it, is. Uh, just my self-care routine, really. And it, and that's something that has, I guess, really become more mainstream in the past couple of years. It's not something really was talked about for so long. Uh, but the idea of dealing with stress, dealing with anxiety, dealing with mental health issues and things like this. And it's about figuring out what it is for you that helps you cope with things. And it's tough to talk to because everyone's got their own thing. You know, some, Mm -hmm. some people want, some people dig meditation. Some people dig yoga. Some people dig long walks on the beach. Some people want manicures. You know, I don't, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, you got to find it. You got to try it. Maybe you want to read books or listen to books, but you have to, there's so much information. There's so much information out there about self-development, personal development, mental health, mental care that you just need to dabble. Dabble, dabble, dabble as much as you can. And if something sticks, great, use it. If it doesn't, say, gone, next, 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 until you can curate your own personal routine. For myself personally, I've got like my, my morning routine that I do every single morning. I got the same things that I do. I should say, I do the majority of the time. I do have a three and a half year old. So things do get interrupted. (laughs) I am not like the saint of the world who always does his morning routine, but Mm -hmm. I always set out knowing what I want to do. I always do my, my to-do lists the day before, and I wake up knowing exactly what I'm meant to accomplish. And that's, that really helps me. Meditation is huge for me. Audiobooks, huge for me. Uh, The gym, working out, huge for me. But they're not everyone's cup of tea. And I totally get that. All I can do is share mine. But really what it comes down to is you sorting out and curating your own personal or whatever makes you feel good, whatever gets you back to that base level so you can go back out and slay, then that's what you got to do. 
exactly what my um exactly you said it's 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 a trial and error people guys you you're not gonna gonna we're not gonna get it right away um there's things that you're gonna try um mm. to like you know try to try to you know self-care but so sometimes it will stick sometimes it will not stick and then you will try new things but the, the point is keep on trying because we don't know what that self-care is um but you owe it to yourself to actually take care of yourself first um me personally books um um just waking up in the morning i don't know folding my bed actually that helps yeah. me <laughs> yeah 100 100 and you know those little things that you know that makes you proud of yourself is exactly what self care is. And yeah, it's all about those little wins. It's little wins. It helps out, and then when you do them, you do them, and then it becomes a habit. And now I, I don't get out of my bed. I don't care what time it is. What, what, what time I wake up, that that bed will be folded. That will be neat. Oh, that blanket will be folded, and uh, I'm gonna move on from that. But knowing my, um, when I come back to bed. Uh, my bed is for all uh, my blankets folded and my pillows there um <laughs> so that's amazing for me and guys you're just gonna keep on trying and trials and errors but um then if you you know you've been in this career for a very long time and if you you were to you know start all over again you um lost um everything but the knowledge you still have the knowledge and the experience you collected from all those you know all those accumulated all those years what would you do and not do and do differently or do the same the same yeah i mean it's a bit of a conundrum of a question isn't it i, I ask a similar question on my podcast and mm. it is the conundrum because as far as changing anything and changing your journey obviously I am where I am today because of all the good and bad decisions that I've made, right? But I like going down the rabbit hole. It's fun. Uh, so first off, I don't believe I would have gone to the Boston Conservatory. Beautiful school, mm. great school, but it also landed me in $120,000 of student debt. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, bro. So, and... Not to take away from the education that you receive in that school, but I think with my knowledge now that that money would have been spent better or could have been spent more efficiently by mm -hmm. moving to New York, taking private classes, curating my own training program. Because also in this industry, yeah, degrees matter. Sure. It what do you want? But the way I run my life, you know what I mean? I don't. My life doesn't really require a degree. It helps mm -hmm. to it helps a little. It helped in the beginning a little bit for sure. Getting in the room, uh, some great relationships made at that school for sure that have helped me. But my industry is one hundred percent merit based. They don't care where you came from, what you can do. It's if you can do the job, that's all that matters. So mm. I would have cured. I would have taken the money, spent less of it, and curated my own training into this industry but didn't do that and that's totally cool i would have also bought a handful of thousands of dollars of bitcoin when i first discovered it because <laughs> i think i first learned about it when it's around two or three bucks so that would have been a good idea yeah but say lovey <laughs> <laughs> you you would have you would have a little more if you were invested in bitcoin so <laughs> 
early on. Yeah, at the $2 mark, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very true. Um, the papers that we get from our school really does not help me. Um, I spent five years in college um, part-time and the struggle was real. I did not accumulate um, debt. However, the, the struggle, the time that I put in and mm. Um, I know the experience was good. Uh, I like the you know, the the people that I met also, but the, the paper I get in the end really did not matter at all. And uh, you know, I could have spent the time that I spent over there to you no know, maybe start a podcast from that that time. I would have been so much further ahead in life, you know. And that's that's what the the would have done with my my stuff. And uh, again. Um, people are different, and I'm not regretting my decision, but I'm moving forward from it. And I, I like the way you do it. You're going to start your training facility first. Why training facility? Oh, uh, not to – I think maybe – you mean like I own, like somewhere where I would teach classes as well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, that's not that, – no, that's not that's not what I meant. I meant to the facility being me. So, like, I would have I went out into the world and found – private studios, I would have found private instructors mm -hmm. and built my training base privately. I would have sought out the people that I thought could best help me and serve me, mm -hmm. pay them, get the training, <laughs> and then move forward. That would be like hands-on. I'm going to pay the guy who's actually been there, done that. I'm going to pay the guy. And then, exactly. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's much. Exactly other. right. I mean, that's, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that's what you're hoping that you get from mm -hmm. a schooling or a college program and at the boston conservatory it's a i mean when i went i don't know what the ranking systems are doing now but when i went it was the number one school in the entire country for musical theater which mm -hmm. is a i mean we could talk all day about getting a musical theater degree and how silly that might be but uh did it and our instructors were fantastic and a lot of them most every single one if not yeah every one of them was an industry professional they'd had professional careers so they knew what they're talking about you know what i mean but I still think that money could have been used more wisely. <laughs> mm. It's very interesting to me because was that your decision to go to that, that, or was it, were you um, led to it by an, a, a peers or um, no relatives? It was all me, 100%. Uh, well, what's your like, home? in your head? What were you thinking? Like, oh, I'm going to go to this and I'm going to get this. Yeah. So I had, so when I first went to university, my initial idea, like growing up, I always thought that I was going to go into pre-med. I wanted to be an ER doc. So mm -hmm. that was what I wanted to do. And then, like I mentioned in the beginning, the whole arts thing came late in my life. So it was very new, it was very fresh. And I was really having a lot of momentum with it. Things were happening and I was really enjoying it. I was feeling a lot of passion. Like I'd never felt for literally anything before. So I was like, this is cool. So I went into university and I was like, I'm going to double major in pre-med and music. And they're like, uh, you cannot do that. That's impossible. So <laughs> I said, all right, well, I'm going to do music because that's more fun. And uh, did that and started doing classical music there. But then at the same time, I also became the mascot. So that was also in alignment with all of the entertainment. It also gave me a full ride scholarship to that school, which was mm. amazing. And I just kept doing that. And I was in a classical training program. I was doing 
community theater shows. I was doing more commercial stuff and performing with the mascotting things. I was traveling all over the Northwest doing appearances and things. I was like, you know, I like this, this part of it. I love classical music. I love opera. I love the ballet, but I love it much more as uh, someone who consumes that content going to the ballet, going to the theater or going to the opera. Whereas I love, I mean, I love going to musical theater shows, but I love being part of them more so than opera. So I was like, you know, I need to find a way to make the performance side of things more part of my life. And I started looking around at schools and the Boston Conservatory was the best. So I said, great, let's audition for that school. And I flew to Chicago and auditioned for the, sh for the school. My parents, as far as they were concerned, they didn't know. I just, I booked the tickets one day. I got done with a class in the business building I sat in the lobby, booked my tickets for Chicago, filled out the application. And that night, I think I told my parents, I'm like, hey, I'm going to Chicago in a few weeks. I'm going to audition for the school. And they're like, uh, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so it was always all me. And then, then thank God, they just supported me. <laughs> that's amazing. That's good that, you know, that's your decision. And they, they're there to support you. And they didn't try to convince you to do something else. And I'm glad you found your passion, though. And, you know, that's what you like to do. Um, you know, you've been in the, the, the industry, again, more than a decade, almost two decades. And, mm. you know, right now it's – nobody knows what's going to happen. And the entertainment yeah. industry has been impacted by, you know, COVID-19. What do you think, um, you know, how did the COVID-19 impacted the, the entertainment industry? And what's the future might look like for that, you know, the industry? Yeah, how hasn't it impacted us? Um, <laughs> in So I was living in Las Vegas, right? I think Nevada still has, it's been a while since I read that stat, but it had an over 25% unemployment rate, the highest in the entire country. Wow. Um, it it's insane right now because, I mean, it's a city based 100% on entertainment and hospitality which very, that's not a whole lot of that going on right now, right? So it makes sense. But yeah, over this whole year I had, because I do a lot of work in the entertainment field. I do performance. I do stage management. I do production, uh, corporate production work. I'm traveling here, there, everywhere. And then over the course of a week, basically, my entire calendar for the entire year was canceled. So you just that's see right. it evaporate. I was meant to... When for COVID first started hitting the news in in the U.S., I had a gig, a two-week, two-and-a-half-week gig in Rome, Italy. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm so jacked up to go to Rome again. And, yep, that got canceled, obviously, because that's when Italy went crazy with their numbers, right? So the whole year just got decimated in the entire industry. And then Broadway, they've just announced, I think, that – or they're pseudo-announced that it's not going to be until May 2021 that any shows reopen. It's – it's crazy. It's affected the whole industry. But there is, I think, a great silver lining because for a lot of us entertainers, this is a nonstop industry. We have been hustling. Like I've been hustling for nearly two decades, full on, you mm -hmm. know, making life work. And that's what it is. And you love it. But you also don't even realize how hard you've been working because it becomes the norm of working at this level all the time. Ooh, interesting. And to have this, have this break and go, ooh. I don't know what to do with myself right now. But then the time goes on. You go, okay, maybe I can sit into this for a second. And you get a time to get a bit more introspective and 
spend time with yourself and your thoughts and the, what you want, which has been fantastic through this entire time. Uh, but also, as far as the entertainment industry moves forward, right now we're seeing a lot of digital stuff. I mean, you've seen on Disney Plus, Hamilton is there to stream. There's a new musical called Diana, which is coming out. I think they're going to be streaming that on Netflix. Uh, people are doing full-on productions over Zoom and doing huge table reads of new um, of new works, new movies, and things like that. Instead of coming to a location where everyone sits around a table with a script and they just read through the script, everyone's doing it on Zoom and all this. We've really expedited this movement towards the digitization of the industry, it was inevitable. It was an inevitability, right? That it was going to happen. COVID has simply thrust us into it very quickly. Mm -hmm. But I was speaking with a guest on my podcast the other day. His name is Benjamin Simpson. He's a young guy. He's maybe, what is he, 31? He's got two Tony Awards. He's a producer. And he was saying, you know what? Pre-COVID, the day-to-day -day of my life, all... I was just doing business. I, I, my calendar was so full every single day, going here, meetings, 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 go to the show, wine and dine clients and investors, all this stuff nonstop, right? While he loved that, now he's in a situation where there's nothing really going on. And now he has the opportunity to read the scripts from the playwrights, re-listen to the music from the composers that aren't your mainstream people that have giant teams behind them to get their material out in front of people. Because he gets submissions all the time, right, from new works, for people that need or want their shows produced. And that's what's happening is that all of these people that have the – all the producers, the people that have the money, the ability, the connections to make a show, make a movie, something like that happen, now have the time to explore new content that they normally wouldn't have the time to explore. And, mm -hmm. on, and then even the step before that – there are so many people creating content, the people, the writers, the composers, the people writing the content, writing the TV shows, writing the movies. People are blasting out content right now, creating so much. In my opinion, there's going to be so, like a huge boom of entertainment once everything's able to come back because we've had the time to be creative. We've had the time to analyze the creativity if you're the producer and figure out which projects you want to go with. But then on the live side of things, I think there's going to be a huge, huge opportunity for live entertainers and dancers, singers, people that are going to be, you know, on the floor doing the gigs, whatever it might be, because there's going to be so many people exiting the industry at this time, mm. simply because, look, in my career, my life, I've been very fortunate that at this point, I don't have to do so much auditioning, so much going out there, finding that next gig, finding the next gig. I do a bit of that, but really the gigs come to me at this point because I've built relationships with so many different people, different companies that the calls keep coming in, the work keep, keeps coming in, right? And it's very fortunate to be in a position where I've developed those relationships to have that opportunity. But there's so many people that are like me that are perhaps a bit older than me that have had kind of the life in the entertainment industry is not so difficult, you know, because the work keep com keeps coming to you, right? Which is great. But now that it's all dried up, a lot of these companies are going to go under. They're going to go, you know what? I'm done. Mm. You know, because they, they're not, they don't want to go back into the audition room, hustle it, make it happen for themselves. So it's going to be a massive boom for all those new upcoming people that are aspiring to be in this industry, that want to be part of this industry. It's going to be really cool, I think. Um, 
you I think you hit it right. It's there's a new different ways of doing things now. And mm. nowadays, you know, you could start your own thing, you could start your own show and you 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 don't maybe you don't have to audition and go to do that and you could just start it your own thing and yeah. you're still a performer, but you gotta perform no matter what happened. And you know, and I like the optimism of hey, we're gonna do something different it's going to be digitalized maybe it's online instead of you know doing some kind of event or audition in some kind of room maybe everything else will be digitalized and i i, I love the way you 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 do um you're saying it because it, it does create new opportunity um new ways of doing things and especially for entertainment industry and i don't know i'm all, all about optimism and doing something new right um yeah. And you know what the, you know what the other thing is is that it's really what people I think have really discovered more than just more than just professional entertainers, but I think everyone is that they're also everyone is capable of and good at their own creativity, creating their own stuff. Because so often, especially as under professional entertainers, we put stock in the resume line in that big show. You know, that's where we, a lot of us will find that fulfillment. I, I think it's a maybe not the smartest thing to put all of your eggs into, but it's great to have those big shows, right? But that's where we find our validation. And so many people find that. Even as entrepreneurs or people that are getting a job, they want that title. They want that, you know, on that business card, it says whatever their thing is, right? That's what people go for. But Really, people are like, oh, I can actually control so much of this. I can control my creativity. I can control what I can put out into the world. And I can be just as fulfilled. Right. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> and it's less of a hustle, you know, and 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 um, the person's part because you don't need no one else. It's just going to be you and, you know, and your creativity. And it's, it's their own idea as well. So exactly you know, it's, right. it's more exciting in a way. And I, I like that though. I, I like it, definitely do. Um, so, you know, then you started your podcast, and you know, I, what last time I saw you have done more than a hundred episodes. You know, what made you start your own podcast? You booked it. Yeah. So started the podcast because of my journey. So, like I said, I went to the Boston Conservatory, landed myself in 120k of debt right? Exited yeah, do that. that industry. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now what? How do I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you know, sent out to the sharks. Like, how do I actually do this industry? No one ever tells you any of that stuff. No one tells you it. And it's really difficult as a educational institution to even actually talk about that because our career line path is in, in the entertainment industry is much less linear than, say, being a lawyer, right? And the industry is so big, so huge. You might start off being a dancer, but you're like, you know what really good, really does it for me? Hair and makeup. And then you make an entire career in editorial hair and makeup somewhere, right? That's way cool. Just as fulfilling artistically, but and still in the industry, but a far cry from dancing on stage. So... How do you connect all these dots, right? So I first started off creating a speech and creating or a talk that I go into performance arts schools and programs. And I give that talk and try to pass on all the things that I've learned from my career and people that I've spoken with and give some insight on that. But I was like, you know what would be way better is if I just talk to more people so and get more opinions. 
So that's the whole idea and the whole premise. So I talk to entertainers. Now, there's a lot of podcasts out there that will talk to only Broadway people. Um, and Broadway's cool because it's a huge pedestal right in our industry, and that's awesome. But it's not the whole industry in the slightest. There's so much out there. So I talk from about talk to people from Broadway to movies to the casting agents to casting directors to people that have done loads of cruise ship gigs. Everybody in different markets because that way we can formulate uh, the ideas that you formulate uh, this mass amount of information that helps us see what the fundamentals are of creating a successful career because as everyone shares their story, we're going to hear the same things again and again and again. And that's how we start extracting, ah, that, that is something that's integral to creating a career. Or you get really niche nuggets, right, that are very specific to very specific parts of a uh, an aspect of the industry that just don't pertain to anything else. But if that's something that interests you, well, now you've just saved yourself maybe six months, a year of hustling, floundering around in a market somewhere, and they just gave it to you point blank. And exactly what um, your your industry and my industry is, you know, entrepreneurship. And it's the same thing. We want to get that golden nugget. Get, we want to get that shortcut to get something, you know. And, you know, we don't know that all of that. And nobody's going to tell you unless you actually talk to people. Now I'm talking yeah. to you. I know you have those fundamentals and you no know, golden nuggets when you talk to people. But um, it's to you, what what is success? Um, you know, success in business in your business career. Yeah, I think success in business is the journey. Mm. To me, it's the journey because for a long time I put way too much stock in that resume line in that big gig, and I've done the big gig. I've done the resume line every single time I do it. I enjoy that experience. I am not taking away from how amazing that experience is in the slightest. But you get there, it happens, it's done, you've arrived. And you look around, you go, great, now what? <laughs> so what do you do? You just go back to the same habits, the same things that you've been doing, all of the work that you've been doing to get to that point. You just go back to that and you keep doing it again till you find that next peak. It's, it's not about the peaks. It's about the journey. It's about doing the work. And enjoying that. Otherwise, you're going to go freaking crazy if you're always chasing something. Exactly. It's very true. And the journey itself is the most important part. And you got to enjoy it. There's going to be turbulence and challenges and obstacles. Yeah. But part of it. Um, then, you know, you have interviewed a lot of entertain uh, a lot of entertainment performers and, you know, producers and people like um, people different, different, you know, position. Mm. Let me ask you, like, what are the fundamentals that you like uh, that you can tell us that we could do daily in order for us to get what like for for your industry to get famous, to get recognized, to make a lot of money? What are you thinking like the fundamental daily thing that we can do on a daily basis? Because it's pretty similar to my industry. Yeah. And, like things that we could do on a daily basis that we could get that outcome. Yeah, for sure. First, I would create some kind of a morning routine that is something that gets you winning and gets you consistent from day one. Have systems in place as much as possible to make your life 
regimented so it becomes habitual now and don't beat yourself up when you miss it because we're human and we do and that's okay but have them in place and do your best right also focus on the stuff that you can control there are so many parts of the entertainment industry but even traditional business that you simply have no control over you can't control people's buying habits you can't control people's emotions you can't control the economy so don't worry about it worry about the things that you can control and then you can always be moving forward otherwise you're going to be again going crazy because the economy like the stock market dropped 30 percent like that's an out of your control forget about it move mm -hmm. forward from beyond that um also say yes to basically everything the Pretty vast much. majority of things you can say no every once in a while but you better be saying yes until saying yes is becoming a problem and then you can reassess and go the other way but say yes say yes say yes and be nice to everybody doesn't matter if it's the barista making your not so good cappuccino be nice to them to the people that you are working with be nice because everything is based on relationships the only reason i have had the success that i've had is because of relationships in las vegas i've performed in nine different shows on the las vegas strip i have open auditioned which means you go to an audition that they just made a listing for and whoever and whatever wants to show up and audition for it i've auditioned that way two times the other seven i got private auditions or i just got into the show straight away because of relationships i've uh i've created and developed and then i also do good work you got to be good at what you do so mm -hmm. do good work good relationships say yes develop a routine boom Ooh, i love it i love it um we are gonna end our show with that um thank you again for coming on to the show and those are golden yeah. nuggets those are practical advice you could actually do on a daily basis and you can get started with it today so um dane um where can we find you and how can we get in contact with you yeah absolutely so if you're on the instagram uh go check out at you booked it podcast or you can go to the website you booked it podcast.com send me a dm send me an email whatever i'm here to chat okay guys go listen to his um book it podcast and where he you know interviews other entertainers and performers and you know that's gonna be a lot of fun especially if you want to get into that industry it's gonna be you, know, you gotta listen to that um thing so thank you so much and um yeah that's it from us and uh we'll see you later thank you beautiful thank you jonathan <laughs>